Plenty of takeaways from Tennessee's spring football session. A look ahead to 2023 and uh, 2024 NFL draft. A whole lot of football with our guy Boogie Bentley here on today's Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into it. This is your new edition of Lockdown Vols. I am your host, Eric Kane. Appreciate you guys for being here, and big thanks to FanDuel for making this show possible. It's brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to go ahead and get started. Again, I'm Eric Kane. Shout out to everydayers. Appreciate you guys for being here and making this show possible. Become an everydayer by subscribing to Lockdown Vols on the YouTube channel and wherever you get your audio uh, podcast. I am out of uh, I'm out of town. I'm out of the state. I'm, I'm taking care of some things for this week. So a little disclaimer, every episode this week is going to be pre-recorded and uh, the big time stuff we will certainly hit as soon as I get back. But I did want to get out some content for you guys for your drives to work uh, and all that good stuff. And we're going to start off with a bang here, bringing back a, a fan favorite edition of the show we did in the fall. Boogie Bentley, talking Vols, is coming to join me here today. Boogie, man, it's, it's been a minute. How you doing? Doing good, man. Good to be back on Locked On Vols. Looking forward to some crossover stuff coming up this fall. But, hey, we can talk football every month. I don't care that it's May. I don't care that it's the middle of the summer. We can still talk a little Tennessee football. Just think, man. I mean, it's already May. Like, it felt like it was just the other day. It was December, and now it's May, and we're going to blink. It's going to be, you know, August, and it's going to be fall camp time, and it's going to be time for football. Yeah, I feel like. Uh, the way recruiting works now, you know, everything gets so busy in June with visits, and then July is oh, it seems like it's a hot month uh, right now. So, yeah, it's going to be football season before you know it. August will be here. We're talking about fall camp and all kinds of fun stuff, man, right around the corner. Speaking of camp, it's not fall camp, it's spring camp. Spring camp, of course, wrapped up a, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, Tennessee got in 15 practices, had an orange and white game, all that type of stuff. Uh, just overall thoughts, big picture takeaways from, uh, you know, the highlights you saw, the, the orange and white game that you saw, um, you know, all that type of stuff. What did you think of Tennessee uh, in spring practice? Across the board, man, I, I'm excited. And, and just right out of the gate, it, it's tough. It's tough, especially for a fan. Look, we don't get to see anything. All we get is what you guys report to us, right? The spring practice breakdowns and all that's good content. And us Tennessee fans are consuming as much of it as possible. Then we get to the orange and white game. Your, your starting four wide receivers are out. Uh, very vanilla, very basic, but still across the board, some things excite me. Seeing guys like Arian Carter. Hearing the media talk about Aaron Carter and how he is a dude, he's making plays. I like what Tennessee added on defense in the portal. I think Keenan Peely is going to be a leader, some veteran leadership. I think him and Aaron Beasley are going to be solid at linebacker. Who, who is in that too deep? Because we know, you know, Brian Jean-Marie, Tim Banks are going to want to rotate four guys. Does Elijah Herring come on? Does Caleb Perry come on? I think Arian Carter uh, clearly locked himself a spot. What's the secondary look like? Again, I like the addition there in the transfer portal. The kid from BYU watching the, uh, the, the ball club confidential with him. I think he's going to lock down a spot in the secondary. And then who comes along, man? There, there are so many guys in that secondary. And I know you had a narrative last year, and I kind of jumped on board with you that this defense last year was better than people thought. And I think they have a huge opportunity to take another step in 2023. Then you flip over to offense, you know, and, and I think there's so much talent. The number one question, what does Joe Milton look like? 
do you have the confidence? Can you push all the chips in? Can you say that Joe Milton is going to pick up right where Hendon Hooker left off? And then concerns for me, offensive line. You know, the fact that Josh Heupel, after, after the orange and white game, immediately starts offering offensive linemen in the portal makes me think, does John Campbell Jr. maybe not have it? Uh, does Andres Carrick maybe not have it? You know, you're getting ready to replace a top 10 draft pick. Uh, we'll see. Offensive line concerns. What does Joe Milton look like? I think the defense takes a step. That's my overall picture. And I'm excited about that running back room. Young kids, Cam Selden, Dylan Sampson, let's go. I am too, man. I mean, that's that's kind of what I spoke on on, um, on one of last week's shows. Like, there, there's not a star in the group, but there, there's about four quality backs that, you know, kind of make that room what it is. And I think it's going to be one of the better rooms and the SEC. Um, defensively, too, like you, you were talking about defense there. Yeah, they improved on a lot of different areas, red zone, third downs, all that type of stuff. Like when you view Tennessee's defense, doesn't matter what year it is, you got to take what they're giving up on average, like total defense, and just throw it out the window because mm -hmm. that's going to be so skewed because they're going to be running, they're going to be on the field for so many plays. It just kind of is what it is. You need to get better pass defense. Don't get me wrong, but uh, the areas where it counts, third downs, fourth downs, red zones against the run. Um, and Tennessee took a big step in all those last year. Um, overall, though, I you know it's it's uh, for us it's it's what hits the most, right? Let's talk quarterbacks again. Not able to see an awful lot, but uh, from what you did see, uh, Joe Milton, I, th I thought at least from my vantage point, he looked you know pretty solid. He looked fine in the orange and white game. Nico's got a lot to learn, I feel like, but uh, boy, you, you saw it a couple of times in that orange and white game, most notably rolling pocket collapsing, rolling out to the right, hitting Ethan Davis on the run. Um, what'd you think about Nico and then the limited stuff you saw from him this spring? I like the athletic potential, you know, his, his arm, like you said, the, the throw to Ethan Davis, just, just a dime, perfect no. location, uh, him connecting with Cam Seldon a lot, a lot while they were out there, just gives you some excitement about the future, the young talent on this football team, the depth on this football team. And, and with Joe Milton, I thought Joe looked good. I thought he looked fine. Uh, very vanilla, very basic. You didn't see a whole lot, but you also got to remember in the orange and white game, it's two hand touch on the quarterback. And I thought yeah. Joe had a couple of quarterback draws that looked good. Nico had a play out there where he was all over the place. Reminded me of Young in the Tennessee-Alabama game where he just <laughs> scrambled all over the place. That's what Nico looked like. But look, this is Joe Milton's football team. We, we know that. He's QB1. He's the leader of this football team. We'll see, man. We'll see. I, it's battered ball syndrome creeping into my head and other people's heads, right? And it's, oh, well, Joe doesn't have it. We've seen the accuracy issues. Everybody's talking about the dime that Nico threw to Ethan Davis, and right, rightfully so. Great throw. Joe Milton had a dime that he threw. I can't remember which tight end it was. Caleb Boy, it was the Caleb. Oh, oh, you don't mind on the, the sideline or another up throw? Up the seam. It was up the seam. Picture perfect throw, incomplete pass, but he put it only where his guy could catch it. And I mean, oh, yeah. it's it's off the fingers. I can't remember uh, which 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 tight end it was that he hit there, but that that was a great throw. Uh, of course, he got bailed out on a sideline route. Was it? I can't remember if it was Laycock or Webb. Somebody went up and bailed him out. Uh, threw it into double coverage. But that was Webb. So, yeah, it, it looked like a great play. You're right. He threw it into double coverage, but Webb goes up and and picks it up out of the air between two guys. Gave Judy Lawley's one. That was like a like a 39 yard gain. Um, that was a good looking play, but yeah, I think that was more receiver. Yeah, I wish he would have looked off the safety. Like I went back and rewatched it because everybody coming out of that game, of course, they're talking about Gaston Moore, and I'm just shaking my head. They're talking about Nico, and I'm like, man, Joe looked good to me. And I went back and rewatched every single play, like kind of broke it down. And he really kind of stared down that route. I wish he would look off the safety, then come back. But overall, Joe looked good, man. I thought he looked good. All right. So you've laid out some positives, you laid out some negatives. Um 
overall heading into spring, knowing what you lost in, in Hooker and, and Wrights and and Tillman and Hyatt and Banks and, and all these guys you know that, that have been starters for you make a, a whole lot of plays, knowing what you lost, was the spring better or worse than kind of what you expected? Knowing it's not a it's not a finished product, are you leaving spring saying, okay, uh, you know I, I think Tennessee's going to be all right, or are you saying, uh, man, Tennessee's got to they got to really tighten some up things up in these areas, or it might be a long season? Kind of where, where's your mind at? The offensive line just scares me. It, it no. scares me that again, Hypo went to the portal. If if we go in to the spring or coming out of spring and, and there's no offers and Tennessee's not looking to add anybody on that offensive line, and I kept telling myself. All throughout the spring, every practice report, I'm like, I'm like, okay, eventually we're gonna hear John Campbell Jr. Man, he's he's really coming along. He looks good out there at tackle, or or the same thing, you know, for Andres Carrick. He's he's really coming on, looking good at guard, and and I felt like we never got that. And I'm like, okay, what's going on with this offensive line? I feel like you got Cooper Mace is gonna be solid. Uh, I think Spragans will be good. G- Gerald Mincy, I think, is good. But you got a couple of spots there. And again, how do you replace? a top 10 draft pick on that offensive line. But at the same time, Glenn Ellerby, can he develop some of these young guys? Does Addison Nichols come along and maybe take over that guard position? Uh, we'll, we'll see. So I, I'm dodging your question completely because I really feel like going into the spring, coming out of the spring, this football team is exactly what I think they are. And I think that's a little step back from last year with the potential to still be a good football team. Let's look ahead to 2023. What's Boogie think about a win-loss projection here in May? Hey, it's offseason, baby. we got to stay entertained somehow. And uh, how big of a drop-off will that be uh, for Tennessee? That's coming up next here, right here on Locked on Vols. But, hey, guys, let me tell you about our friends over at FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs. Hey, now, you guys know the NBA playoffs. They last like seven, eight weeks, right? I mean, it's almost as long as the season. Uh, but so much value there and so many opportunities to put, to put some coin in your pockets over at FanDuel Sportsbook. You can try a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 right now. That is $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. They have great promotions every single day over at FanDuel Sportsbook. It's on a safe and secure, easy-to-use app, and you can get your winnings paid out instantly. You don't have to wait around for five days or a week or whatever. You win your bet, you get your money at FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place uh, to bet on all the playoff action across the NBA than over at America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, guys, welcome back into it. A locked on Vols here on a, uh, yeah, we'll call it Monday. We'll call it a Monday. This is what happens whenever you pre-record a couple of episodes a week before. It's like, all right, I want this episode on this day, this episode on that day. Since I said Monday, it's Monday. If this is not Monday, well, I'm stupid. Uh, but welcome back into it. Appreciate you guys for being here. There will be no Twitter Tuesday uh, this week just because I will be out. I won't have time to do it, but we'll resume that next week. Uh, shout out to Everydayers. Can't thank you enough. Become an Everydayers. Show back up tomorrow and uh, subscribe and follow the podcast on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. We got our guy, Boogie Bentley, over at Talking Vols, and um, appreciate you being here, brother. But, you know, we, we, we talked about the spring here, just kind of looking ahead, 2023. I'm not saying you got to give me an, a win-loss projection right now, but kind of what are your overall thoughts on where this team is going to be this fall? Is it going to be huge step back, little step back? Can it be on par, just as good? Are you going to take a step up, you know, kind of what do you think this team is? 
so hard to sit and look at. I could I could be like some of these guys, and you know Tennessee's going to win eleven games. That's what they're going to do. Or I can get I can get mad and, and pissed off if if they don't win eleven games. And that's what I'm trying to figure out is where where what's the pulse of the fan base? What does the fan base expect? What's realistic? What's fair to Josh Heupel? Because we go back to when he was hired, and it's like, well, this is going to take five six years. But you kind of change the bar, you raise the bar when you go out and win eleven games mm-hmm. in year two. But something that's concerning for me, you get hired at Tennessee as the head football coach. Uh, the number one thing you're told is you better go beat Florida, Georgia, and Alabama. And for Josh Heupel to go out in year two and beat Florida and beat Alabama, that was absolutely huge for this program, for this fan base. But what you get, the first thing you got to look at in 2023 is guess what? Now you're going on the road to play Florida. Now you're going on the road to play Alabama. And those, you know, I get it. Everybody thinks Tennessee has uh, put put Florida away and they're they're in the rearview mirror, but they're not. That game, that's a key game for me. I, I do have a prediction. I think we're pretty uh, par here. I'm going nine and three is where I'm at right now. Now, does that mean that's where they're going to? No, it, that's going to change. We'll see. We will see. But that first game at Florida, you know, Virginia, Tennessee is going to be favored. Austin P. Uh, that's a scrimmage. Florida. That's where we're going to find out who this team is. Joe Milton going on the road. Does he have it? And then I ask, when do you get concerned? When do you get concerned with Joe Milton? Is it in that Florida game? Does he struggle with accuracy? Does he struggle with decision-making? And then how long till all the fans start saying, we want Nico? We'll see. South Carolina, I think that game circled on my calendar. It, probably every single Tennessee fan's calendar, we want to see that, that game inside of Neyland Stadium. What does Jimbo Fisher get out of Texas A&M? And he, he seems to do less with more every single year. But that's a game – you know, it's, it's easy for us to say nine and three, but when you roll through this schedule, who are your three losses? Because they can lose to Florida on the road. They can lose to Texas A&M and Neyland Stadium. They can lose to Alabama. And then you got Georgia. That game, November the 18th, if Tennessee takes care of business and, and they are who we think they can be, if Joe Milton is the guy, that game in Neyland Stadium is going to be electric. It's going to be good. Can't wait to see it. Um, and the buildup for last year's game was incredible. And, and being there, um, God, I, I just came back from Athens covering a baseball series, and I, I drove by the stadium. I'm like, man, the last time I was at this stadium, I literally couldn't hear myself think. It was so loud. And so, you know, depending on you know where these two teams are, Georgia, you would expect to be kind of right where it was. Tennessee, um, you know, depending on how many losses you have entering that game, maybe you're undefeated at home. Um, should be an electric atmosphere. I'm with you on Florida, too. I mean, Florida, that, that's not a make-or-break game for the season, in my opinion. But it's, your, it's number one, it's your first big test. Number two, it's your rival, okay? And number three, it's on the road. I, I personally think, and I've gone on record, you know, this offseason, I think Florida sucks. I do. I think that they're not a very good football team. Um, that doesn't mean that I think they're going to be down for long. But I think right now, I mean, you're looking at seven, eight. I think eight wins is your max if you're Florida, your absolute max. I think you're a seven and five football team. Um, you know, we'll clip this and save this and, and pull it back out in November when I'm completely wrong. But I just think that's where you are. But having said that, you're going on the road. Tennessee doesn't win in the swamp. Um, Florida, sure, you beat Florida last year, but we know how this rivalry is. And, and Tennessee is not to a point to where I think you can just roll in somewhere and just get off the bus and beat a team. I, I still don't think you're there. So that's a massive, massive football game. One that I think Tennessee should win, but it's it's going to be really, really challenging, especially being on the road at the Swamp. Let me ask you about South Carolina, too. You kind of mentioned that. How big? I mean, that's a low-key, huge game, in my opinion. Um, at Neyland Stadium, that's uh, you know game number five before the off week. 
that is a massive game because when you come back, you got the gauntlet, A&M, Alabama, Kentucky, which is going to be no slouch. Um, I feel like that South Carolina game is one of the bigger games on the schedule. Yeah, and I can't, I can't, man, I was just talking about that in a video this morning that, well, not this morning, like a week ago, two weeks ago at this point, <laughs> I don't remember. But uh, talking about South Carolina, I can't, can't wrap my mind around Shane Beamer. He's having success in recruiting. Obviously, you got to give him respect. South Carolina came and punched Tennessee in the mouth, and there's Dude, nothing we can say about it. I, sorry to jump in there, but like honestly, and again, I'm not gonna you know break down and do an episode uh, on this because no one will want to listen to it. But like, literally, he is doing what Butch Jones did here. The way he carries himself, the way he um, interacts with the media, the way he's just weird and awkward, but. He's won some games early on that he wasn't really supposed to. He's recruiting. He's building a really solid foundation. Hashtag brick by brick. Um, he's got some strong Butch Jones vibe. Now, Beamer comes from a coaching family, and I think you know Beamer will last longer and be – I think he's a better head coach when it's all said and done. But that's just kind of how I get, I get the Butch Jones vibes from him so much. Everybody makes that comparison, and you have to. You have to make that comparison, but, but, and is, is he Butch Jones? Because he is doing some things in recruiting and, and he's done a good job in the transfer portal. Yeah. And you know, we sat here and talked about it about this time, but basically 12 months ago, we're sitting here saying, Hey, Spencer Rattler, if he shows up and balls out, they could be a problem for Tennessee. And they came and punched Tennessee in the mouth. It is what it is. How long can Shane Beamer hold on? Because we saw what happened to Butch Jones. Uh, just so many compared. Like you said, you just nailed it. It is what, the way he speaks to the media, the way he carries mm -hmm. himself, the stupid videos that he puts on Twitter. It, it's exhausting. But for some reason, that fan base thinks he's cool. And I'm just like, man, give me Josh Heupel. This every fan base day thought Butch Jones is cool too. Oh, God. It's like the clip of him dancing, of Butch Jones dancing. Was it the spring game? I think it was. Is so similar to the nonsense that Shane Beamer does. But the bottom line is, man, that 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 game that is a you're right. It's a big time game, especially you go down to the swamp week three and get that W, and you've got a chance. You're looking at five and zero, oh, and every Tennessee fan and everybody in that locker room. I don't care what Josh Heupel says. He's going to come out and talk to the media. Oh, we're not thinking about that. We it's in the rearview mirror. We're focused, looking ahead. Bullcrap. Everybody in that locker room remembers that embarrassment because that's what it was. You had a shot at the college football playoff, and South Carolina embarrassed you. That it's it. You can't spin it. You can't be soft about it. That's the reality of the situation. And what you did last year, going to win in eleven games, winning that Orange Bowl, still very very special season. But the South Carolina took something from you last year, and you got an opportunity in Week Five to go take something back. So that game circled on my calendar. Every year, there's a football team that loses a game late in the season to where it ends their year. I mean, it ends any postseason aspirations, big time bowl game, conference championship, like everything was laid out in front of them. And there's one team every year that seems to just kind of trip over their own feet. And it is what it is. And unfortunately last year, that was Tennessee losing to losing at uh, South Carolina. It just kind of was what it was. Um, I've got the schedule pulled up. I think um, the, the last projections that they posted, uh, I think it's still eight and a half over at FanDuel, eight and a half. I, I'm slam dunking the over there. I think this is a nine and three football team um, for sure. But to your point, there are, it's like, what are those three losses? Well, Tennessee could lose at Florida. Tennessee could lose to A&M. Tennessee could lose it uh, at Alabama, Tennessee. I know people won't like this. Tennessee could lose at Kentucky. Tennessee could lose at home against Georgia, but you know, you're not going to lose all those games. UTSA don't know anything about them outside of they got a high flying offense and they're ranked in the top 25 last year. Is that going to be maybe a not not a not a well I mean I, I don't want to disrespect the opponent that should be a game Tennessee handles but 
is that game kind of giving you some uneasy feels there in week three uh, at home or week four at home? Maybe I'm naive because everybody comes into the comment section in the chat and saying, watch out for UTSA. And I, I say, give me a break. Tennessee's going to beat the brakes off of them. I think uh, they will too. But I don't know. It'll be the storyline. The storyline will be going into that game, how it's they have an opportunity and yada, yada, yada. But it's, you know, it's sandwiched in there between Florida and South Carolina. So yeah. like you said, it's, it's everything you – it defines trap game is what it does. So I'm not worried about it. Maybe I'll be eating crow. Like I said, somebody will clip this and six months from now come and remind me how stupid I am. I'm used to it. Hey, hey, it's fair, man. We're, we're in the industry that's happened before. It'll happen again. All right. So you're at nine and three right now. I'm at nine and three. Um, last question I have for you before we get into our final segment. We're looking ahead to 2023. Uh, Boogie Bentley talking Vols Network. What do you think about Kentucky? It feels like just Tennessee fans every time, and and I mean I'm not gonna lie to you. I mean I've I've been not like high high, but I've I've been very complimentary of Kentucky's football program for the last three four years. Um, I think what Mark Stoops has done is done a great job. I think that uh, going and getting coaches, especially an NFL coach, to kind of coach up that scheme. I think uh, he's attacked the transfer portal well. He builds his team at the line of scrimmage. He plays good defense. Kentucky is a very respectable team. Now, I think Austin Price, I think it was a couple weeks ago, he made this point on one of our podcasts. That might change whenever you ditch divisions and you go and you're playing everybody because they won't have as an easy path to get to seven and eight wins every single year. But anyway, Kentucky this year, Will Levis is gone. You go out and get a quarterback that I think is going to be much better than Will Levis at the collegiate level, and that's you know Leary from NC State. A couple years ago, one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. You put him in there with some of those young options and weapons on offense, offensive line, defense. You got to replace a lot. I get it. But what do you think about Kentucky this year as the Vols go back to Kroger Field at the end of October? I think I think Stoops is the perfect guy at Kentucky, and like yep. the, the he doesn't have as much pressure. You know, he wins eight nine games. Maybe you get a ten win season every now and then. Uh, that fan base is tickled to death. And the thing for Tennessee fans is yes. We sell a T-shirt over at the Talking Balls Network. Bonfire.com slash store slash Talking Balls says we are Kentucky's daddy. And that <laughs> shirt is made for a reason because Tennessee beats Kentucky. But how many times over – and I know let's, – let's, let's go back to the glory days. Let's talk about the 90s and the early 2000s when Tennessee was so dominant. How many times in those dominant years did Tennessee struggle with Kentucky, particularly going, going on the road? So as far as – this season, their roster, I've not dove too much into that. I, I just look back to last year, and that's a game. That's another one of those games where going into our predictions last season, that's a game Tennessee can lose. Just like you just said this year, people don't want to hear it. Kentucky is a game Tennessee can lose. And Tennessee goes and beats the absolute breaks off of them 44-6. to six. Like, you know, we're their daddy for a reason. So I think Tennessee is going to take care of Kentucky just fine. Uh, not a lot of pressure on Stoops, and I love watching uh, him go back and forth with their basketball coach. That's always entertaining. Uh, but, yeah, we're Kentucky's daddy. That's what I think. It's a basketball school. That's Kentucky, right? That, that's we're an everything school, beef. and they're a basketball school. <laughs> and they know we, it. We got more coming up with Boogie Bentley here in segment number three of a Monday Locked on Vols. We looked ahead to 2023. Let's look back to a couple weeks ago, the NFL draft. Uh, Tennessee had five players drafted in the first three rounds. Who else could be drafted in 2024 boogie bentley joins me here today on locked on balls all right everybody welcome back into it shout out every dayers we're getting going here on locked on balls a final segment just a couple minutes left with boogie bentley appreciate you i called you said hey man got to pre-record like five episodes can you give me 31 day this week 
You're like, absolutely. Then I called you back and said, hey, can we go 30 minutes after what I initially told you? Yeah, man, no problem. That's fine. That's hey, then can we go 45 minutes after I told you? Yeah, dude, I'm just sitting here. Just come on. Let's go. Appreciate you, man. It's always fun talking ball with you. Thanks for your flexibility and help me out this week. Hey, it wouldn't be a Locked On Talking Balls crossover if we didn't knock each other off the schedule. I do the same to you. You do the same to me. Hey, let's just make it happen. Let's get on here and talk some ball. How jacked up were you about Darnell Wright going 10th? Overall, I mean, first of all, are you an NFL guy? I don't know if you're an NFL guy for NFL draft guy. I watch the NFL. I'm a fan of football. I like the Titans. So it's a year by year basis. If I'm dialed into the NFL draft like this year, obviously I knew the mock drafts like the back of my hand. I knew all that type of stuff. Where are you on the NFL draft? Used to be a Washington Redskins fan, and it's because the it was the first team I saw on TV as a kid. And then you know all the years of misery. I remember that Super Bowl in 1991, but I was so young it didn't matter. You know, I didn't care. I was 10 years old. Didn't mean anything to me. And then, you know, when you change it to the Redskins, to the the Washington football team, to the command, I'm, I'm out. I checked out. And I, I, I'm not I'm not even really a big draft guy. This year I was a big draft guy because I, I want to see where Tennessee ends up. And, you know, it's been, what, when's the last time Tennessee had a top 10 pick? You got to go back to what? I think it was Eric Berry was the last top 10 pick. He was taking Juwan James. No, no, you're right. Eric, Eric Berry, top 10 pick. Juwan James, first Last offensive lineman in the first round, and then of course, um, Barnett, Garrett Barnett was the first yeah. first round pick. But yeah, top ten pick, it's got to be Eric Berry. Yeah, I mean, it's just, and you had so many guys. You know, was was Hendon going to go in the first round? Where did Jalen Hyatt end up? So I was excited about this draft, and I, I like you, I looked at all the mock drafts, and we actually did a live stream. We did a watch party, watch the draft together that first round, and it's so funny because those mock drafts go out the window like two minutes into the draft uh but man it was huge it's huge it's it's huge for recruiting you know darnell Wright, top 10 pick and i think that gives you some selling points for for glenn ellerby that he can develop guys and get them to the league and offensive line a lot of people maybe myself included want to say hey tennessee's not necessarily landing some of those top targets that they're after you think of the four offensive tackles right those are the ones that st stick out stand out mm -hmm. to you uh but does this help now glenn Ellaby can say hey look look we took darnell Wright, got him a top 10 draft pick we can do the same for you at tennessee so i think it's big all right uh if you're listening on the audio platforms i do apologize but for the youtube crowd and for boogie boogie cameras got me turned around and everything but if you look at my backdrop one of those top shelves it's all the way to my left. It's sitting behind a bobblehead. Maybe, maybe, maybe reverse everything I'm saying. There is an antique little miniature football helmet. You can barely see it, but that's the old Washington Redskins football oh, helmet it. up there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. You said all that. I'm like, look, man, I got an antique up there somewhere. I've just it's hidden behind bobbleheads. But uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Family friend, big time Redskins fan, growing up, and so he gave me that a long time ago. Um, Hinden Hooker. You know me. I thought he was going to be picked in the first round. A lot of that had to do with just, man, teams are just so desperate, so desperate for quarterbacks and all that type of stuff. Honestly, wasn't shocked that he didn't get picked in the second round because not a whole lot of quarterbacks are. Um, you know, the Titans, oh, Lord help me, made their big move and uh, moved up to get Levis and then drafted a two-lane running back with no ACL in the third round. And, okay, again, I've already complained about that enough. But Hooker goes into the third round. He starts this run of Vols. Um, Hendon Hooker, Detroit, seems like it's a pretty good situation. He's going to sit behind Jared Goff for at least one year. There's an out in that Jared Goff contract after 2024, uh, but potentially a year, two years, and if all goes well, once he gets healthy, maybe he's the quarterback of the future in the Motortown. 
Yeah, I'm excited for Hendon Hooker. And I got to talk about Will Levis because I haven't got to complain about it on your channel. I did it on my channel. Come on. What's, what's wrong with the Titans? Like, what, what is wrong with the Tennessee Titans? Let me tell you something. Is Will Levis going to be a home run in the NFL? I have no idea. Is Hendon Hooker? I have no idea. Both guys are a gamble, per se, right? They're, they're a gamble. Uh, so, as the Tennessee Titans, you were lofted a softball to hit an absolute marketing home run. Everybody in this state started pulling for the Indianapolis Colts because of Peyton Manning. And then guess what? They all packed up their bags and went and pulled for Denver because of Peyton Manning. And we were all chomping at the bit. I was sitting on the live stream watching the draft saying, hey, if he ends up in ten at, ten at the Tennessee Titans, I'm back in the NFL. I'm going to buy a Hendon Hooker jersey. We're going to ride or die with the Titans. And you absolutely draft the worst possible case scenario in Will Levis. And you pissed away so many potential fans. And I get it. They're in the business of winning. They're not in the business of making the fans happy. But at the same time, if both guys are a toss-up and you don't know which one's going to succeed, you go with the freaking Tennessee guy and you hit a marketing home run and you blew it you absolutely blew it man they moved they moved up almost 10 spots to get him too so in my mind it was certainly not a toss-up between the two in their opinion they had levis they liked him a whole lot more for me as a titans fan it wasn't even levis versus hooker it's just literally draft anybody else do not draft will levis and they move up 10 spots and they get him so it's annoying by the way he dodged a serious bullet there not going all in on the titans let me let me tell you so you know props to you <laughs> uh, but hey I, I love cedric tillman We've got just a couple minutes left here i love cedric tillman to the browns i think that's going to work i think he's going to play early and often um big gamble with hyatt's it always was going to be one but the giants loved him they were they were with him the majority of the process thought they were going to find a way to, to to get him and they did move up to get him in the third round but i really love cedric tillman to the browns because i think early on and he's you know he's a scumbag a horrible person but um uh, he's got a really really good quarterback in cleveland i, I was happy for tillman and even it was kind of neat to see jalen Hyatt go and cedric tillman go right after him you oh know, yeah that's cool. great next pick because tillman is a guy that he chose to come back, man. He chose to come back, and, and we saw what happened. And even you know, people say, well, Hyatt should have come back. He could have maybe been a first-round draft pick. Look at Tillman. I, I don't blame Jalen Hyatt for going, but I'm happy to see Cedric Tillman go right after him. And then B.Y., what a great story Byron Young is. Just the entire thing from, from the dollar store to the military academy, whatever it was called, and then Trent comes to Tennessee and earns himself a spot in the NFL. Love to see it. Anybody out there at the edge position you want to get to the league, Rodney Garner is going to get you to the league. I, 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 he is the best in the business. Maybe my favorite coach on this entire staff outside of Josh Hopper. You got it. He's like, he's the guy you want to be your uncle. Like just the uncle that's hard on you, but at the same time loves you. What a great guy. What a great coach. He'll get you to the league. Speaks volume that Rodney Garner was literally going to come to Tennessee, regardless of who the head yeah. coach was. Yeah. Um, if it was if it was going to be Jeremy Pruitt, he was coming. If it was going to be Kevin Steele, he was definitely coming. If it was going to be literally anybody, like you know, Heupel was hired, and then Gardner came on staff before they had a defensive coordinator. Um, that just speaks volumes of what everybody thinks of Gardner. Of uh, certainly around the SEC, and of course around college football. All right, buddy. Last one. Twenty twenty three NFL draft is over. Looking ahead to 2024, is it as easy as saying, oh, well, you know, Joe Milton's going to be Anthony Richardson of this year because obviously would make perfect sense. You got a guy that's starting at a power five in the SEC. You got a guy that looks like Cam Newton. Got a guy that's got all the ability of the world. That was Anthony Richardson. You know, it would make complete sense for Joe Milton to be the Anthony Richardson hype guy, the Will Levis hype guy. 
Um, is it going to be that simple? And uh, who else potentially do you think he gets some NFL draft love uh, this time next year, whenever the 2024 draft has just concluded? I think Joe Milton goes out, this football team wins nine games, eight, nine games, and he shows we see that Joe Milton from the Orange Bowl. I think he's a top 10 pick. How could he not be? If you're going to draft Richardson that high, if you're going to take Levis that high, horrible decision-making. That's what kills me about Levis. People say, well, he doesn't have the talent around him. And I said, well, is that why he throws it to the other team so much so somebody will mm -hmm. actually catch it? I don't get it. I don't get it. But Joe Milton, you go win the football games, You, you, I think he's got an opportunity. Uh, what does Aaron Beasley do? What does he? I, can he get to the league? I, I love what he does at Tennessee. I don't know if he's an NFL guy. And then what wide receiver? Guy. Yeah, I, I just don't. I, I love what I love what he does at Tennessee. Big, big Aaron Beasley fan, but I don't know that he's an NFL guy. But wide receiver, you Tennessee's back. Wide receiver, you. I don't care what anybody says. People want to say, well, since 2011, well, since 1982. I, I don't, all I care about is the here and now. In the last three years, Josh Eibel's put more wide receivers in the league than anybody. But who's it going to be, Kaner? Who is it going to be? Because. Does Ramel Keaton, does he come on? Or or do we see Dante Thornton end up shifting to the outside and taking reps away from Keaton? I think Brew McCoy's an NFL wide receiver. Uh, could you put two more in the league this year? I, I think it's a possibility. I think it's a possibility. I think wide receiver outside of Milton is a position that you need to look out for. <clears throat> Excuse me, uh, Brew McCoy, Ramel Keaton, of course, Dante Thornton, draft eligible as well. So that's a position to watch out for. Amari Thomas on the defensive line. Tyler Barron, if it all connected, could be a high pick, but um, he's still one to watch out for. And um, right now, I say that's probably about it. Boogie, appreciate you, man. Um, tell us what you're doing over at Talking Vols this off season. What you, what you've been doing, kind of your plan, and then obviously I'm going to be joining you back uh, when football season starts as uh, we gear up for another season. Every Monday night, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. I play video games and goof off, but guess what? We hang out in the chat. It's a good time. We talk about Tennessee football, recruiting, anything and everything. You guys control the show. I'm live usually three, four, five hours at times. We'll talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. One of my favorite things we're doing right now is a film breakdown because I sell, you know, for the fans, by the fans. I don't, I'm not an expert. I can't break down routes and, and tackling and all this stuff. We got a high school football coach out of California. He's a defensive minded coach. Uh, he's been doing some camps this summer, been communicating with some Tennessee targets, spoiler alert. Uh, but he does a great job breaking down film. So we've been doing a live stream pretty much once a month. We do a video series as well. Uh, this last live stream we did was Christian Conyer, Ricky Gibson, and Jordan Matthews. And we went through, watched some tape. He put some clips together. He breaks down what they do bad, what they do good. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Come check it out. Come give us a sub over at the Talking Balls Network on YouTube. Uh, we crossed 20,000 subscribers. We would love to have you be a part of it. Yeah, I like to think that I'm knowledgeable in football. Obviously, I play the game and all that good stuff. But I mean, I'm I'm if you if you like news and you like personality, that's that's what you get at the you know locked on balls. I I can't go deep down film breakdown all that type of stuff. So you know, go go give that segment, go give that live show a a view over at talking balls because that is that is something that no one else really is offering in our industry. And so I think that is really really cool. Boogie, as always, man, appreciate you. Give him a follow on Twitter at Boogie Bentley. Um, of course, he is uh, one of the main guys. He's the leader over there of the Talking Vols podcast, the network that's at Talking Vols, V-A-W-L-S underscore pod. Uh, give those two a follow there, and uh, we'll do it again here. Uh, come closer to football season, man, just right around the corner. Yep, it's going to be doing some locked on Talking Vols. Looking forward to it, buddy. Always a good Can't. time talking ball. Can't wait, man. All right, that is Boogie Bentley.
here on Locked On Balls. Appreciate you guys for being here and uh, taking in a little Monday edition of Locked On Balls. And again, a, a reminder, I'm out of town this week, so I'm pre-recording these episodes. Any big-time news that breaks, we will get to it when I get back uh, from out of town. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm going to cover baseball, all that type of stuff. Uh, but appreciate you guys for being here and uh, for uh, just just hanging out with us and subscribing to the channel. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow to go over a little bit more of Tennessee recruiting, looking ahead to tr uh, the football season. Got some personalities going to come on the show, so it's going to be a fun rest of the week. All right, this is Locked on Balls.